Welcome to Fresh Perspective, a podcast presented by Recycling Today. Fresh Perspective features young professionals in the scrap and recycling industry, offering insights from the next generation of industry leaders. Guests share their stories of what led them to the scrap industry and new ideas on industry trends. Tune in here stories from scrap processors, traders, operators, and more who are starting to lead in this space. Fresh Perspective is beginning an ongoing dialogue with future executives of the industry. Hi, my name is Megan Smalley and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Neil Chalupa, who's been a trader with metal conversions for the past four years. The company is based near Columbus, Ohio, and specializes in buying and selling aluminum scrap metal. So thanks for coming on the show today, Neil. How are things going? Things are going well. Thanks for having me on. Now to get things started, so trading for metal conversions, that's your first job in the recycling industry, if I'm not mistaken. So how did you get connected with the company in the first place and the industry? And then secondly, what was your first impression of the scrap industry? So my first, I guess, impression of the scrap industry was back in college. I graduated from the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, the Keith Bussey School of Business. And I was very fortunate to have one of the chief officers of SDI at the time as one of our um, assistant professors. So in our capstone class, we actually got to take a tour of the Butler plant. And it was a that moment when I was like, oh my God, this is, this is incredible. Like just seeing the, the coils of steel and metal and just the melting and the burning process was just something that kind of fascinated me. And I was like, I need to somehow get into this. I just don't know how. I was also fortunate. My high school soccer coach uh, ended up being really good friends with Andy Cohen, who is actually one of uh, another trader here at Metal Conversions. So I ended up playing soccer with him in the summer throughout college and just kept in touch with him and um, reached out four years ago and was like, hey, you'd be perfect for this job. You know, we want to, uh, you know, set you up with an interview. You know, you can tour the scrapyard and kind of talk a little bit about what Metal Conversions has. And it was pretty easy at, at that point. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely not common that people in college get exposed to the scrap industry so what was it exactly about SDI that fascinated you when you went on that tour? What stood out to you? Do you remember? I think it was just the, I was, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what, you know, a plant looked like. And I think it was just, everything was just so, almost so overwhelming. And I was just almost in shock and awe about how much metal was around, how much they produce. And that's, not even that much <laughs> compared to the whole the whole industry and i think just the, the sheer magnitude and just seeing all the different you know markets and stuff i mean there's you know sdis for steel you have you know all the different aluminum mills you have stuff for you know copper and just every metal has its own market and that was just very very fascinating for me now before taking that class and that tour what was your plan for your career it's a great question as uh i knew i, I wanted to get into logistics and kind of supply chain a little bit before I joined metal conversions. I was, I worked for uh, spot Inc at in Indianapolis. Uh, they're a 3PL company for uh, freight brokering. Um, so that actually kind of helped in my transition to metal conversions. You know, I understood how the material moved. I understood the trucking side of it. 
Um, and that was, you know, it made the transition a lot easier. Got it. And how long did you work in trucking, logistics, supply chain, all of that before coming to metal conversions? And, you know, was that something you did for internships or was that something you worked there after getting your degree? That's something I worked at um, after getting my degree. It's probably about two years, two and a half years, maybe. What was it like for you working on the logistics side of things and working more in that industry? What were some lessons that you learned from that? It was um, just kind of how kind of cutthroat that industry is. Everything goes perfect. No one cares. But as soon as one thing kind of goes wrong, you know, it kind of everything kind of hits the fan. Uh, a lot of chaos, but definitely kind of helped a little bit with some management and kind of performing under pressure. Got it. Now, when you were there, what were some experiences that you were able to take with you when you came over to Metal Conversions? Working for Metal Conversions, it's, you know, a small family-owned company, so everyone wears many hats. I had the logistics side, so I'm, you know, Becky's our logistics coordinator, so I, I'm actually her, her backup. So that really, like I said, you know, that helped with the transition. You know, that first couple months I was kind of working under her just to get that aspect of it, um, of how the metal conversions does freight and how they, you know, schedule and stuff like that. Um, so just having the concept down was definitely something I took away that I can use, at least help me today. So Neil, tell me a little bit, what was your first year like when you came to metal conversions? Was it exactly what you expected it would be like coming into the scrap industry since you had a little bit of that exposure from when you were finishing up college? Um, I came into the industry with kind of an open mind. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. After, I guess, touring, or we, I went and uh, toured our toll plants. Uh, first six months, I visited all of them. And that's where I was kind of made that connection of like, okay, this is the same thing as SDI, just aluminum instead of steel but I just learned a lot of you know kind of like the internal day-to-day processes of metal conversions I didn't do I actually didn't do any buying uh, any cold calls nothing like that it was strictly you know internal paperwork the process how metal conversions does everything internally Got it. And when you came to the company four years ago, did you expect to stay long term? Was it something you're like, I want to have a career in this industry? Or were you kind of like, we'll see where this goes? Combination of, of everything. Um, I think I had the, I had to take it, take the expectation of I'm going to be here for you know, 15, 20 years. But whether I lasted that long or not um, was to be seen. <laughs> So I don't know. I think I'm still here. So, so far, so good. Got it. Now tell me a little bit about your job with metal conversions today and what are you doing now on a day-to-day basis for the company? Um, you know, I'm Becky's backup for, for logistics. So I help her scheduling and, you know, kind of creating the, the confirmations, the freight sheets, uh, delivery appointments, that kind of stuff. And then also just kind of making sure all the paperwork is correct from you know, from all our plants and, and everything like that. Now, since joining the company a few years ago, what would you say are the lessons that you've learned that have stuck with you? Try to find friends that you happen to sell metal to. When I, uh, you know, started some cold calls, um, there'd, you know, be some people that would be like, oh, well, I've sold to, you know, this guy for, you know, 30 years. 
our families go on vacations on spring break all the time. Um, you know, I see the, you know, the relationships that, you know, my co the other traders and coworkers have, and you can just tell that, you know, they, you talk more as, you know, friends on the phone than you can, than you do business at times, you know, you're, you're checking on families, kids, you know, just like you would, you know, with your relatives. Yeah. With the whole idea of trying to find friends in the industry, you know, who you can buy and sell from, when did it, that kind of click with you to do that? And how did that help you with your job? It clicked when I started to kind of enjoy cold calling and be on the, being on the phone more. When I took that approach of trying to talk to people as a friend instead of as, as a customer, I found myself enjoying it more. I found, you know, people were willing to talk to me more instead of just like, oh, it's just another, another person calling. Um, just putting in that little extra, you know, time and effort um, and attention. Not only, you know, it was fun for me, but I think it, you know, it reciprocated to, to the, the people I'm calling. Being in the BYAB and attending, you know, the event every year and, you know, just seeing, seeing people at all the different events, um, you just kind of, you just start making those connections and friendships without really trying. It just happens. And that definitely has made, um, the, you know, the industry a lot easier and just being able to talk to see people. So, you know, on a broader level, what would you consider to be some of the biggest issues impacting the scrap industry today? And, you know, how is that having an impact on metal conversions and on how you guys do business? I think trucking is a big, a big issue. I mean, that's not since, you know, the pandemic, I, you know, I saw that when I was working you know, back uh, spotted in, you know, 2017, uh, before I moved here, um, you know, we're just, as a nation, we're just short on truckers and uh, kind of, you know, skipped, you know, a decade or two. I mean, I don't know anyone that's, you know, around my age that wants to be a truck driver. You know, everyone wants to stay home and, you know, see their family every night, you know, not sit in a truck for 14 hours and, and just drive, you know, they want to, you know, be in the office, they want to, you know, do all this stuff. So I think there's, Definitely, uh, you know, an issue there that's not going to go away anytime soon and uh, needs to be figured out. Got it. And ultimately, how is it impacting metal conversions? Are you guys having a hard time securing trucking? What are you guys seeing or what are you seeing with other scrap companies right now on that front? I wouldn't say there's really one specific thing about that that is affecting us. It's just, you know, it's a snowball effect. It's just a little bit of everything. Um, availability. You know, you see truckers are, you know, starting to get more picky on, you know, material or like it has to be packaged a certain way or else you're not going to haul it. Um, obviously, you know, with demand, the prices are skyrocketing. So, I mean, it's just, it's just everything. Got it. And I know uh, shipping also is a challenge right now. So it seems like trucking, shipping, all of that's been problematic. Do you think 2022 things could get a little better as that year, this year progresses? I don't really know. I, I, my gut says, says no. I mean, we're having trouble right now as you know, there's a labor shortage when it comes to productions of, of materials. And once, you know, people get mills and plants, you know, start operating at a hundred percent, you know, that's just going to throw more material that needs to be moved. And I don't see us getting that many truckers that will increase with that. So um, I guess I'm going to have to say, no, I don't really see that improving. Got it. And I guess one final question on that note, 
how can, you know, logistics improve? Do you think, what are some ways to get more people into trucking jobs or what are some ways that the industry can alleviate these bottlenecks that we're seeing with logistics? What would you do if you were in charge? If I was in charge, um, and I think everything needs, everything's becoming more um, regionalized. I mean, you're still going to need some of the long hauls, but if you can try to limit people to, you know, maybe one night where they have to stay overnight and can be back home, you know, every other night and not work the weekends. I think that's, it's a, you know, that would be something that, you know, I try to try to improve, but, you know, when you think about it, all the logistics distribution centers, plants, you know, they all look into logistics for like where they place and where they build, you know, close to interstates, close to rail, you know, close to a big city. And they had them, you know, they haven't placed out, you know, based on some of the, you know, rules and regulations, you know, you can't have something, you know, they try not to keep something that's over, you know, 14 hour drive because then you have to take that turns into you know, a two day run instead of you know a one day because you have to take that 10 hour break, you know, so they would be placed, you know, 12 hours apart. Well, now that's 12 hours isn't, that's more like 16 by the time, you know, they're short staff loading and stuff like that. So I think, you know, as new buildings distribution centers plants stuff like that go um they're gonna have to i think rethink um the logistics side of you know where's a good place to build got it yeah we're definitely curious what's going to happen because there need to be solutions so yeah. i'm sure next year we'll start to see some of that or in the next Fortunately, year it's not a it's not a quick fix it's not a snap of the finger like a lot you know our society wants right now we want that instinct solution, gratification, satisfaction, and that's just not how, how it works. <laughs> no. So metal conversions buys a lot of aluminum scrap. So how have aluminum markets been faring lately? What are you seeing related to supply and demand that you can speak about? It's interesting. You know, I think, you know, the scrap is there. It's just that we can't melt it. You know, everyone's looking for toll time. So I think, you know, the raw, the, you know, raw materials, I guess are there, but like, you know, our finished product is in high demand. You know, we just can't, we just can't melt enough. Got it. So has supply and demand kind of been like that since the start of the pandemic or has it kind of changed more recently? I think for the last year or so, that's kind of been how it was. Um, obviously to 2020, you know, that March, April, May, everything was shut down. Um, so no one was really doing anything. And, you know, by the time, you know, that June, July, August came, you know, they were starting to open back up and you saw, you know, more demand, you know, there wasn't a lot of scrap out there, you know, the peddlers weren't really doing much. Industrial accounts weren't producing as much because they were shut down. Um, so they did, you know, last August, September, October, you know, demand was up there, you know, it was, seller's market and um you know you just had to pay what you had to pay to to get it because you had to you had to produce it got it and just as like a final question to wrap up here one thing that we've touched on a little bit related to supply chains is that hiring is challenging and i don't think that's just for trucking and logistics i i think it's for everything including the scrap industry so what advice would you give to scrap companies when it comes to finding and retaining people since I think 
some people are scratching their heads on how to keep good people, how to find people right now. I think when you know that you have someone good, you know, you should, you should keep them kind of at, at all costs. You know, right now, you know, if someone's very knowledgeable of, you know, working in a scrapyard, you're going to want to keep them. When it comes to, I guess, retaining, I think it comes down to just treating people, you know, like family. You know, they're obviously, you know, there's, you know, they're labor workers at the end of the day. And, you know, some people, you know, will value them. Some people won't. And I think you just have to, you know, you have to value them. You have to, you know, make them want to come to work. You have to show appreciation. I know pandemic, you know, has changed a lot of things. I know some workplaces are a little more relaxed on, you know, maybe leaving early. Um, if they need to, to, you know, do something with their kid or family work before that, you know, it was, you know, almost like a strict like eight to five kind of job. Um, so I think just having a little more leniency, being a little more, you know, kind of open and just caring for people, honestly. You know, it's been stressful. It's been tough. You know, mental health has been a huge thing that's kind of come up in the last couple of months. And I think that's something that companies have to kind of embrace. Um, and this is actually a thing now, you know, not necessarily, you know, sick days or just because of sick, you know, take a day off if you're just not right in the head kind of thing. So I think you have to be a little, little more open and accepting of, of that. Definitely agree on that front. So, well, that was everything that I had, Neil. So I appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate, uh, you know, this uh, opportunity and I look forward, look forward to more, hopefully.